Welcome everybody, I'm Dave Wright in the CTO group, and today I have two architects, oh wait, nope, technologist? What, did you guys get reclassified? Is, they just, is that the same thing, is it a different thing? I think it's the same thing. It's, it's the same thing, technologist. Architects, all architect. the same thing. Architect's kind of broad, right? That covers like a really wide, it could be like architect of a house, yeah, architect yeah. of a platform. Yeah, but so we're technology architects. Technology architects, okay, I like that one better. Technology architect, or change name cards. Anyway, I've got uh, Bob Obreiter and Supreet Dilawari here. Hello. So welcome, welcome. Uh, these two gentlemen are from Strategic Platforms in CTO, and we're going to talk to them today about containers. Containers. Mm. Yeah, so, that's a fascinating so what, topic. Containers. Yes. What? Tell me. Okay. So, obviously, this has something to do with computers, right? These containers is like. Exactly. And I, you know where my mind's going to go is like, well. Is like a container for what? So, tell me what are, what are, what are containers? So let me start uh, by just saying containers are not new. They've been around for a while, you know, but they just become a household name only in the last three years with this open source project called Docker's. And what the Docker's did it was built on the existing container that's been available for a while and created this unique capability of packaging the application and making it run with all its dependencies. So that, those, that includes things like you know, your code, your runtime, your system tools, system libraries, and so on. Okay, so this is, this is something where you can run an application in. Exactly. So it's funny you say containers and dockers, and I'm thinking pants and buckets or something, boxes. <laughs> but so, okay, so I've, you know, I've heard you guys talk about containers before, and you, know, you say Docker, containers. I kind of know the buzzwords and names, but as much as I can tell about containers, it seems like it's a type of virtualization. But really, how different is it than a virtual machine? Or is it kind of the same thing? It is kind of the same thing. They have their own, containers have their own file system, their own memory, their own storage, their own CPU cycle, and so on. And where they really differ is they virtualize the operating system instead of virtualizing the hardware. Oh, okay. So, so they sit on top of a kernel, which is shared, and you can spin up multiple container instances using that kernel. So it's like a virtual environment, not a virtual operating system on a machine or a virtual. It's not like a virtual machine; it's a virtual environment, right? You can say think of it that way. You can it's think like of it that the way. next wave. It's like the next wave beyond a VM. Without all the VM baggage that you have to deal with, you're now dealing with a process. Okay. That is very, very targeted to the tasks that you're trying to achieve. So it's much more lightweight and much more portable than what you would find in a VM. Now, can, and then can different applications use those containers, or are they assigned to a specific application? You, you think of it as a, you know, it's a good point. So one container doesn't do anything. You need to have multiple of containers. And where, that's where container managers are coming in, and they're also referred to as orchestrator. So what they do is they treat a Enti uh, you know, entire resource pool as one pool. Um, and then you can spin up, so one machine can have multiple containers. Oh, okay, okay, that makes sense to me now, okay. And then and then each of those containers could be doing a different function. function. So, so you can be running your web layer, your app layer, your database layer, all within one machine with their own operating system. Each of those functions are running as a container and talking to each other to serve that application deployment. Oh, so, so it wouldn't really matter if all of them weren't on the same version of the operating system, because maybe some of those apps need to run on different versions or different libraries, right? Correct. Okay. So all once, right. once the developer you know, tests it on the laptop, uh -huh. it tests all the dependency, and that could be deployed you know, to any other platform or any other environment, I should say, data centers, cloud, doesn't matter. And the dependency, like you're talking about libraries, 
those are all consistent. And if the, the, the code changes and the libraries get upgraded, that trickle effect happens right away to all environments. So it makes, it makes it really easy for doing upgrades then, right? Exactly. Like the point upgrades for different things? Exactly. It makes it a lot, yeah, and it makes it a lot easier because no longer you, do you have to worry about the dependencies like you used to. Historically, if you were going out and updating a VM-based application, you had to be worried about all these other dependencies and if I fix this thing over here or change right. it over here. If you, if you I got to break something else over here. Exactly. With containers, you get past a lot of that. And you got a regression tested after that. So yeah, I can see like an operating system, virtual machine, you upgrade the operating system and the base core libraries, and maybe three or four of the programs are running in there, maybe right. one of them is incompatible with it, right? Yeah, yeah sometimes you only have to upgrade your web server and not yeah. your middleware server, example, or a database server. Right. So I guess if for like, then let me get this straight. So if, if I'm thinking about it correctly, if you were to do an upgrade of an application, you wouldn't really upgrade the container, you would just replace it, wouldn't you? Exactly. You just create a new one? Yeah, right? you would just bring that one down and create a new one. Yeah, because it's easy. It's on the fly, yeah. yeah. You oh, may not, and you may not need to change the whole application. As we get closer and closer to more things uh, running real time, there are certain portions of an application that will go through a lot of changes. Like there's some companies out there today that have applications that they update many times a minute. Okay, with, with constant You're changes. kidding. Yes, and containers uh. are a great way to do that because you can go in and almost micro-target the part of the application that you need to change, keep all the other things the same. Wow, wow. Yeah. Who's, um, who's using containers? I mean, is there anybody out, like really well-known that's using containers today? Well, there's a couple. I mean, the biggest, the first one that comes to mind is Google. I believe almost everything that Google does, if not everything, within Google runs in a container. Uh, they've been on the container push for a number of years, and a lot of the process, a lot of the the, the, the features or, or services that that you know we consume as as uh, individuals, whether it's search or it's Gmail or whatever, is heavily container based. And what I understand is that in, in many cases, when you go off and fire off a search or you have an email request where you're trying to fetch an attachment or something like that. There are containers that are being spun off directly for you, specifically for you, to run your particular need and return that result back to you. So containers are very pervasive in, in places like Google, and they're making their way into many, many, many mainstream enterprise. And I think I just lead into that. I think the other day I was just reading a blog. You mentioned you knew Docker. I was surprised to see this number. There have been a 12 billion pulls as of 2017. And what pull basically means is you're pulling an image. So there are you know, Docker images stored on this mm. repository, and the number from 2016 to 2017 has doubled from 8 billion to 16 billion. So to just feed into what Bob said, Google of the world has been doing this for a long time, but now what, you, know, you know, the latest containerization technologies enable all the rest of the enterprise to adopt into that. Okay, cool. Wow, that, that's, that's pretty neat. I mean, I guess I could see, I, I guess I'm, I'm assuming, I'm only assuming that Google's got sort of generic hardware then that's running on that platform and they can just scale that as they need it. And what they really care about is that container running in that, and, and the horsepower is being provided by that hardware, right? So they're just throwing it out there, run it and bring it back and they don't really care about what it's running on. And they're managing it at a scale, right? Yeah. And we talked about container managers earlier. So one of the things Google's done is they've you know, contributed the open source project called Kubernetes, Kubernetes into the right. community, which is kind of known for managing the containers. There's one of the players in that area. Yeah, Kubernetes. So, uh, okay, so I get it for Google, but why do we care? I mean, why? what's it to us here in Kaiser? I mean, we've got our own virtual machines. We've got Click to Cloud. Where, where, I mean, 
what is containers? Is that gonna be something? Are we gonna are we gonna start getting image like we get virtual images now from vendors? Are we gonna start getting containers from vendors, or how, how are we gonna use these? So I think that's a great question. I I, I think that uh, there's a, a couple areas where you know you're gonna see. Uh, or reasons why you're going to see containers be uh, of interest here at Kaiser. One of them is that it fits right into the cloud-native development efforts that we're driving so aggressively here at Kaiser today to kind of get away from monolithic applications, more to cloud-oriented types of deliverables. And containers, as well as things like PaaS, allow us to be a lot more flexible in how we roll out applications, be a lot more, uh, move uh, in a much more agile way and to let things that we that have been growing over the last couple of years, like DevOps, as far as uh, practice, uh, continue to flourish here at Kaiser. I know we're looking at doing hybrid, sort of what we can do on-prem in the cloud and external cloud. Will this make it easier for us to move workloads between cloud vendors? Yeah, I think from a portability perspective, this is one of the key drivers for containers is, because it's a lightweight image, which can be standardized, uh, and it's the same across all environments. and like. The, earlier point, the images in megabytes, right? So you can easily port that into now your on-premise clouds to your off-prem clouds and still have a function. So you could, megabytes, so you could put yeah. this on a thumb drive and say I'm carrying my, carrying my containers over well, there. it's funny that you say that because <laughs> if you look at the flow of things, a lot of the development that can happen in a microservices-based architecture, and we can talk about microservices in a minute, uh, allow you to really develop your application in that distributed fashion and, 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 and proof it out on your laptop and very easily move to bigger platforms oh, right. as you need. So the basic framework for uh, an application that's been containerized can start on your laptop and then evolve. So you wouldn't have to retool it because the libraries that, are, that you need are actually in that container. Oh, exactly. You don't have you to retool it for it. The, the libraries on the virtual server they're using. Yep. So it's it's really independent of even the operating system that right. it's running on And we talked about dependencies and all the struggles wow. we used to have upgrading. Imagine the developer can do all the you know library updates on their laptop yeah. and they could test it. And go, well, I'm just oh, this out. is huge. This is going to be huge. Max, puts, for, max for everybody. It puts... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm all for that. So, you know, and it, it, it just puts a lot of power, a lot more power into the hands of the developer and takes a lot of the, the restrictions, a lot of the bottlenecks, a lot of the slowdowns. It takes them out of the way. It puts the, the developer more in charge. Well, just the retooling, just the re, trying to recompile your code with make sure that right, the libraries and stuff, that's just incredible to me that we'll be doing that. I, and going throughout a stack, yeah. I, I don't know the source of this, but Microsoft is saying that uh, embracing, fully embracing this type of microservices architecture with DevOps and containers and all that stuff allows you to be up to 2,000 times, I think it's 2,000 times more productive as a developer than your classic enterprise software developer. So oh, I, I can mean, see that. I, and and, and 2,000, that's a huge, yeah. Yeah, that's a huge number. Well, speaking of huge numbers, I could see very quickly, you know, I, I, my mind's going a million miles an hour here because I'm just thinking about how I could I could use this now. But I could see very quickly that managing a lot of these in an environment could be overwhelming because now it, it, even having a several thousand VMs, this is going to be even more than that because they're at the level of applications, not physical servers or, or hardware. What tools are there available to manage such a wide, I mean, am I wrong? Is there going to be other no, millions think, of these and things? I think, it, again, it goes back to the container manager and the orchestrator, right? Yeah. Because, like I mentioned earlier. And that's the Kubernetes. Yeah, it's so the three okay. players in the in the market, which are kind of, you know, are real contenders. There's Kubernetes, uh, which is obviously by Google, and then there's uh, Mesos, which was founded out of Berkeley. It's another open source project. 
and then uh, Docker Swarm, which was founded by the open source project Docker, and then they turned themselves into a company, commercial, and they have a commercial product called Swarm. Where did but, they come up with these names? Like Docker Swarm, like a swarm in my Docker's? That doesn't even sound comfortable at all. I don't even, <laughs> like what, did they not have a marketing department? <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, you know, they were a small company and they're kind of growing, so, but I think that's the name that they're And their logo's with. a whale, right? Yeah, okay. exactly. Uh, gaggle, gaggle, maybe what, a pod? Maybe, maybe well, that's it. That actually has another reference. So, so, so Kubernetes manages yeah, this. Yeah, but what they, try, what they actually, you know, the capabilities they provide is they'll give you ability to scale up and down, right? Mm -hmm. Automated, you know, service discovery, automated recovery from the failures, uh, health monitoring, and they're really going into the software-defined work uh, networks, right? Software-defined world where you know you can tie one container to another container and provide it as a service, multiple services out of it. Uh, so they're doing them. It's a big, I think we're past the point where you know we need to adopt containers and Docker's there and so on. But I think it's the the real decision points around orchestration and management of these yeah. containers. Um, I think that's where a lot of the efforts are being spent by the industry and the enterprise who are adopting them. And that's, that kind of a and that's where we're spending a lot of time in strategic platforms, trying to figure out, okay, not not whether we should use containers or not. That uh, that exactly. question's already been answered. We, we, as an organization, like so many other organizations, we're going to be going that direction. But how do we do it? How do we pull that off? How do we, how do, we do it at scale? Yeah. What what systems how do, you manage, do we have how do you in place? It? Right. right, exactly. What what direction can we give to the rest of Kaiser to say, hey, here's some things you should be doing and some things you should be looking to embrace, and here's the reason why. Wow. So let, let's switch gears just for a second, a little bit. Um, I'm just I, there's so much here to to learn so fast. So let me let me just give you a scenario and tell me if, if I'm coming close to this. I've got a a Python script. Or program that it runs as a, as I got a couple of Python programs. One of them runs as a daemon, and I got a REST API on it, and it's listening on port four thousand two, mm -hmm. and I, I just want to scale that part. I don't need to scale. I just need to because what happens is that thing that daemon that's running on port four thousand two is actually on the back end gathering a lot of data, so it's very CPU intensive. Okay. But the front end that I'm using is not. It's just you know it's it's making some pretty graphics and delivering it to the end user. Would I scale, how would I scale that out? I and mean, what would I need to do in my application to now scale out my daemon that's running on port 4002 so I can get more so you're asking cycles? how do I containerize that? Yeah, or yeah, how would that work? How would I, what would I need to change my code to do? Or do I need to change anything at all? I don't, think you need to, I don't think you need to change anything at all. I think your application has got to be scalable, right? It has a, has a scalability built into the application layer because the containers will automatically scale. So if you have a thousand users hitting your website, as an example, mm -hmm. and now in Christmas time you're gonna have ten thousand, you don't really need to change anything to your code. You just need to enable a policy feature within your container management system, well, which will allow you to first scale, and then your application gotta take that workload and just start scaling. Is that? Oh, I don't see how that works. Is that? Is that because the namespace is there that, that I just keep referencing that port? Is that why, or is that? Or do, I mean, I must my app must need to know how to talk to all these other containers, right? So the ports get defined within the container image or the container file. Or okay. In the container itself, right? Exactly. Yeah. So what happens? I mean, so if in that case, on four thousand two, my app still talks to port four thousand two. That doesn't change, right? Correct. It doesn't change. Oh, uh, okay. So I don't really have to change anything. So, online. for example, you have one container running, serving that workload on port four thousand two. Right. And then you got more traffic coming in. Yes. That would automatically add 
10 other containers, for example. And what, how does it know to automatically add those containers? Is that, is that part of the orchestration? That is part of the orchestration. It says, oh, the load's getting right. a certain amount, add these. Exactly. And okay. you have thresholds like, okay, you know, if you hurt a CPU, if you hurt certain memory, you know, spend so out more. So the triggers, right? Exactly. Just, yeah. and, then, and those triggers are based on, you know, what I'm saying is the triggers are at the container level also. Okay. Uh, in the orchestration, or the triggers can be at the application So it seems like it, it, for, you know, especially for customer applications, this, this seems like a pretty easy thing to do. You know, because you're you're not really having to change your the code that, that's touching the user very much. The and back end maybe a little bit, but it doesn't look like no, there's I much think you're integration. Absolutely right, and we actually tested this in our CTO lab uh, with one of the KP applications. So this was a you know application which runs on bare metal servers and mm -hmm. partly runs on virtual machines, uh, and it's a web based application. It's it's monitoring um, hard and a heart monitoring through devices and has a bunch of APIs. So they've already gone through the microservices route. Okay. So what the application... Which, which, just one second. So by going through the microservices route, you're already in that mentality of, I'm splitting my app into exactly. small pieces exactly. already, right? Yes. Yeah. So, okay. So they had like three APIs. Right? Yeah. One was one API, for example, was, give me the location of KP facilities. Right. And that's all it is, you know, give you raw data back. The other one was, okay, I want to know um, what's the my diabetic data, right? You mm -hmm. know, if I'm a diabetic patient, I want to know what my sugar levels are, right? So that's kind of the function of that. But what we did was the application architect, you know, ran uh, just a performance script, which was going to create a load on the server, or a load on its function. Or, or uh, just that, to test it, right? Service, just to test right? it, right? So what we do with containers, we publish a service, right? Got it. And so he only talks to that service, and the service- That one port, probably. That one port, yeah. right? So he generated, you know, you can find online scripts. He says, okay, I have 1,000 users. Now I want to scale up to 10,000 users, 100,000 users. Yeah. And what we saw without, automatically, it was, we were on the live WebEx, you know, the containers went from 1, 10 to 20 wow. without without any interventions. That's amazing. And I'm assuming that this can be spread across multiple hardware as well. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Okay. And compared to what we have available today, or most enterprises have today, in the form of VMs and other things like that, to be yeah. able to auto-scale like that, it's a very hard thing to do. Makes so when you, embrace, huh? when you embrace a microservices-based architecture, you start breaking up your application into smaller pieces like that, you embrace containers like this, it's, it's a lot And that's a mindset we have to get. It's a culture almost, right? Like you have to think as a developer, I, I need to, you have to embrace it, like you said. Exactly. You have to think about that as you're architecting your application out. So and I think we're, see, we're starting to see that in Kaiser community. Yeah. So. Okay, so this is pretty exciting. A lot of stuff. What what's next for us? Because we're not really using containers now. So what what's what's next? What do, what do you see in the future or near term future for containers here at Kaiser? So I think you know we're going to continue to you know evolve far as influencing uh, people to learn more about containers. Uh, you know, do more like podcasts like we're doing now. But beyond that, I think you know we want to test real use cases. And I think you know we're down, going down the path of testing these out in cloud first probably. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're we're just starting to get familiar with Azure, which is our second cloud provider, that has a very robust container service as an example. Uh, and that has all of these three orchestrators that we met, talked about available. So all three? All three available okay. as an example. So, yeah. the, you know, we got to look at, okay, what makes sense? Yeah. Do, you know, do we just consume that as a service or do we create our own with a specific orchestrator as an example? So, you know, those are the kind of the decision points that we're being, going towards. Okay. Well, great. I think we're uh, coming to, is there, so, so Bob, Supreet, is there anything else that people at Kaiser should know? 
Although unlike blockchain, I think this is so much clearer as to where we see an immediate need and immediate ability to start using these uh, in our environment. What, 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 anything else you want to share with? Well, I would say that containers are available. The ability to use containers is available today. Okay. In, the inter in, 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 in kind of like the, the, uh, the public space. There's things that we're doing right now within strategic, strategic platforms to figure out, uh, to determine the details around what containers within Kaiser look like. And, you know, should we be offering a container service that could be like a go-to place for containers? Uh, but in the interim, you know, we're, we're as Sapreet was talking about, we're very interested in working on use cases with people, uh, helping to deliver messaging to the different business units about how containers can fit into a microservices-based or DevOps right. architecture and really play that consultative role right now as we're rolling out, looking to roll out some container-based solutions in the next six to So months. if any of the businesses out there have some questions about it, they can come see you? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And are you guys available to sort of help consult with them and give them some guidance on where to get started? Yes, and you know, you can even give them a test environment if they're really, oh, really? eager to kind of start testing their application. Of course, we want to partner with them, learn what they're doing with their application, which makes them think that needs to be containerized, and then at the same time, kind of give them a, a test environment uh, to have them go through that journey with us too. Oh, that's great. Well, uh, I want to thank you guys both for coming today. That was just a lot of information we were, we've got. I'm sure, well, I'm gonna say, I'll tell you what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to make a containerize my app. <laughs> Well, I know where you guys sit, so it's kind of like cheating. It's but awesome. I'm going to try to containers map. So when I get that done, will you guys come back and review it with me? Yeah, let's do a demo. Do yeah. a demo? Well, good. actually, can you make sure it works first before you do the demo? <laughs> 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 All right, guys. Thanks very much. And everybody else, uh, hope to talk to you soon. And we'll be back with some more information about containers, maybe even blockchain. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank yeah, you. Thank you.